Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Campfield. Today is Thursday, January 6, 2022. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schools. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. Today, we're talking about some pretty pressing news, the verdict and substance of a recent trial, the trial of Elizabeth Holmes, the CEO of a company called Theranos. The verdict was just given on Monday of this week. It's right now Thursday, um, and sentencing isn't for a couple months, but we'll get into that later. So Theranos was a biomedical company. Their main product was a machine that from a small sample of bud, blood that can be taken from a prick of a thumb could basically tell hundreds of different diseases right from a pharmacy. So the idea was that it would go into CVSs and Walgreens, different drugstores, and you could do the blood test right there. And then instead of sending it to a lab far away and taking a while to be done, the machine would do it right there and that it would uh, eliminate the need to be sent blood to labs. And this would be, make things much quicker and hopefully cheaper. This was supposed to be a huge company, right? She had the opportunity to put it in tens of thousands of pharmacies across the country. So a lot of big investors were behind her and her company became kind of a big name in Silicon Valley for a promising startup in the years to come. But it turned out their promises couldn't be fulfilled. The machine they were developing to do all these cool blood tests, instead of doing over 200 blood tests, it was only able to do 12 blood tests, and, and, and half the time, the tests they were doing and the results were actually incorrect. This caused a lot of patients, you know, they rolled it out early, and some of the patients got incor- incorrect results and were affected by this negatively in their lives. You know, one, one woman uh, who testified in the trial got a result that said she was HIV positive. In fact, she was HIV negative. This can take a real toll on you, your relationships, if you find out you have a disease like like HIV, that's very scary. Another woman found out she was pregnant. Turned out she wasn't pregnant. So th- this contradictory information can hurt a lot of patients. And the, not only was the machines wrong, but Holmes lied about it. She went and told a lot of her investors that everything was working. She didn't tell them the truth. She lied to them and told them everything was fine. So they kept giving her more money and she kept taking that money and pretty much putting it to waste because the machines weren't working. And behind the scenes, everything was falling apart. But on the outside to all of her investors, everything was perfect. And they thought that everything was great. She had she lied about all these different people she was working with, all these companies, all these vaccine companies, and all these pharmacies she was working with. And in actuality, she wasn't working with any of those companies because her machines didn't work. So what's interesting is she, on her memos, she'd send out to potential investors to gain credibility. She would put the logos of companies like Pfizer. She, you know, she claimed to have a contract with the U.S. military. She put the U.S. military logo on it. But in fact, she didn't have, you know, contracts or, or relationships with any of these groups and their logos, which she did not receive permission to use, gave her credibility that she didn't have. Um, and that's, first of all, unethical and, and against the law. Other things she did, which prosecutors acclaimed were against the law, is they claimed she had um, inflated numbers in emails she sent out to investors and specific communications with investors. So she, she'd tell investors that X, Y, and Z was working when in fact wasn't working, that they'd made this much money and all these companies were doing, you know, building relationships with them. 
uh, and, and they were doing great when none of it was true. And they say what, what I've heard is that if she had just come clean and said, well, we're not working, we're losing this money and the machine doesn't work. Not, you know, she wouldn't have been lying. It wouldn't have been a fraud. But the cover up is the worst part. As soon as you start lying, deceiving investors, the government's going to come after you. And those investors are going to come after you when they find out. And eventually, a few years ago, there came out a report that she was lying about all this and she was defrauding her investors. And a few days ago, we had her trial. And the prosecution tried to convict her of wire fraud of her investors and, her, and their patients. And basically, wire fraud is a type of fraud uh, and involves the use of some sort of like telecommunication or the internet um, with other people. And the idea is, though, that you are basically lying to these people through these communications in order to gain their money. And you're basically stealing from them. So their property or their money. And this is what she did. She took the investor's money when in the end, she was really lying to them that she was going to use that money for these machines that were working. But in the end, they weren't working and the money wasn't really going towards that. It was being wasted. And so in that way, she used wire fraud against her investors and also her patients. They took, she took their money and the machines weren't working in the end. So that was also illegal. So what the defense claimed is that she was being sexually abused in a, a romantic relationship she was having with a, with a guy named Balwani. And they claimed that he forced her into sexual relations that she didn't want. He coerced her. Um, and because of this, she was not in the right mind or this clouded her judgment uh, for, you know, for and that's why she made bad decisions uh, as a CEO of the company and led the company in the wrong direction to defraud investors. So even though this claim is not a defense in white collar crimes, it did give her humanity. And what, what must be recognized is a jury are people. If the jury sees the defendant as a person, as somebody who has, who has you know, issues of a person um, who, who may be struggling with their own internal issues, the jury isn't going to be as harsh against her. And the defense did a good job of playing into her humanity. In her testimony on the stand, she spent a lot of time on the stand testifying, which is a little bit of unorthodox. She said that she regretted a lot of the things she did. You know, she didn't come out and say, oh, I didn't do anything because obviously she knew the jury wasn't going to believe that and that wasn't going to work for her benefit. So she regretted a lot of what she did and that helped and for the jury to, to see that what she did may not have been as bad. And what ended up happening is out of all 11 charges, she was only found guilty of four charges, um, four charges she was found innocent of, and three were undecided and, and went to a mistrial. Right. Um, and the whole idea, though, of Balwani uh, affecting her judgment by sexually abusing her and coercing her into doing this, um, that's not going away. He's going to go on trial in about a month in February. Um, he was the head of finances at Theranos. And Holmes said that he actually inflated a lot of the numbers. And that's true. The numbers were inflated that were sent to investors. And so who knows what will end up happening at that trial. And maybe he will get what's coming to him. So of the four charges she was convicted of, one of the charges was for conspiracy to defraud investors. And three of the other charges were for wire fraud tied to specific investors. She actually had some huge investors, uh, Rupert Murdoch, um, Betsy Devos, the former Secretary of Education under the Trump administration. Her family invested a lot. The Walton family, you know, who run Walmart, who own Walmart, they invested a lot. So she, she was convicted of, of wire fraud for, for specific investors like them. And some of the things she was found innocent for were uh, fraud related to individual patients. So what's interesting is in the trial, the prosecution did not do a good job of prosecuting homes. For, for the wire fraud relating to the patients, that when the patients took the stand, only a couple did, they weren't allowed to 
appeal to their humanity. They could only explain what, what went on and they weren't allowed to give the emotional toll of the, the fake results they got, the incorrect results. Um, so the jury couldn't really hear what was going on in their mind and the true damage that, that took place because of, because of Holmes's and, the, and, the, and Theranos' fake results or incorrect results. And because of that, many say she was found innocent of those couple charges related to patients. And also this could affect how the prosecution tries Balwani in a month they could try and maybe focus more on the wire fraud of patients as they saw before that their previous tactic didn't work. So they might try in a different tactic or they might just abandon the idea completely and say, well, it's a lost cause. Uh, but in the end, it, we could see a lot of correlations between the two trials and how the prosecution and the defense tries to go about that trial. Um, and then this brings up to the question of how did this actually happen? You know, what could lead to someone being able to do this, being able to lie to investors of millions of dollars for years when their products are not working at all, but they're telling their investors that everything's perfect and that nothing's going wrong and, and no one would even realize this for years? Well, it comes down to a lot of the environment that has been created in Silicon Valley. You know, she wanted to join this group of Silicon Valley elites that were successful business people um, who are these large companies. And to do that, she had to put a lot of pressure on her employees, on herself to grow the company. And, and this created a culture in within her company that pushed really hard for success. And this is a larger culture in Silicon Valley that pushes really hard for success, but doesn't deal with failure real well. You can't, like, it's hard for them to admit they're wrong. Because, you know, they'll lose their investors, they'll lose the money, the company will go away. And Elizabeth Holmes may not have been, been seen as a successful entrepreneur in the eyes of many of her peers in Silicon Valley. So this, so the Silicon Valley environment is a really easy place where somebody could be forced to lie like this. Right. Silicon Valley has a big startup mindset of fake it until you make it. But these big tech startups... Um, a lot of the times there are a lot of problems, things aren't going well, you know, they're not selling their products fast enough, or, you know, it's not working yet. So they fake it, they fudge the numbers a little bit until they make it. And then eventually if they make it, they get their numbers up, their investors are okay with that. The problem with Holmes is that she never made it. She always faked it. And eventually it all went downhill from there. And her investors eventually found out. And now she went to jail for that. So this mindset can lead to a lot of problems. And it really shows how something in Silicon Valley can have a downfall like this. Many argue that the solution to this is having more transparency within these startups, uh, you know, maybe government regulation or culture that says they should be truthful and they should, you know, tell investors and the public what's actually going on. They shouldn't hide as much. And, and this relates to one of America's best traits uh, and, and what allows capitalism to be so successful. And that's information transparency. When somebody's investing in a company or investing in something, they want to know if that company is actually doing well. They want to know if, you know, what's going on within the company, if they're making a good investment or if they should invest at all. That's why America puts such a large value on information transparency. That's why the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission, they, they, they fight to, to prevent fraud in the markets, in the financial markets. That's why the FBI is constantly looking for fraud like Holmes is um, to protect capitalism and to pro protect the free market. If there's no transparency and other companies in Silicon Valley start defrauding their investors, nobody's going to invest. There's going to be no tech sector. Our economy goes down. So it's very important to our economy to make sure everybody's telling the truth and make sure we have great information transparency. Right. Uh, one of the problems with this is that the investors were you know, too eager to get in early and make a lot of money. They just said, you know what? It's probably okay. This, she wouldn't be lying to us. Um, and they just trusted her without actually putting in the time to research the company, make sure they knew what was going on. And because of that, 
they lost a lot of money. This is going to conclude this week's episode of The Young Perspective. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on our website at theyoungperspective.net. You can email us at ejtheyoungperspective at gmail.com. Our Instagram is the underscore young underscore perspective. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, this was The Young Perspective.